0: Welcome, everybody, to Bonus64. Four. this is a special episode uh, funded a by very Patreon. Special very special episode. We, we
1: all emerge from it better people, uh-huh. learning about the hazards of smoking mm-hmm. and not to subscribe to peer pressure
0: or to talk to strangers. Though even this, though we are literally talking to like a yeah, semi-stranger. we are
1: both subscribing to peer pressure <laughs> and talking to a stranger. So We're doing maybe, both of these. yeah. And, and I'm on it, some
0: drugs, so you oh, know, yeah, it's all good. Hopefully, it, it turns out okay for us. <laughs> uh, so we are uh, doing some a little bit different. Well, first of all, my name is Steve Gunley. I'm Woody Sisk. Gowski, also, uh, hi. <laughs> we are uh, we're doing something a little different today. So, over on our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/ultra64pod, we have a special tier, the Superstar tier, where patrons who buy in at that level for three months get to come on, and uh, we will discuss any non-Nintendo 64 game of their choosing. And that's what's happening today. We have our uh, uh, patron and uh, special guest. Please introduce yourself, patron and special guest.
2: Hello, uh, I'm Andy Bowman
0: we are very happy Hi, to have Andy. you. We've uh, we've met Andy before working on the uh, Geek 101 podcast, uh, which was a lot of fun. We've we've talked about Super Mario Brothers the movie. We've talked about Wild Wild West the movie, uh, the movie, not the song. And although that that came up, <laughs> and uh, now we're talking about Underhero. Okay, weirdest so... trifecta of discussions maybe ever, maybe ever, <laughs> maybe ever. So I I have to ask right off the top. Okay, so firstly, I think if you gave me an infinite amount of time to try and guess what game you would have picked. I don't think I ever would have guessed this one. This is a game I've never heard of. uh, And uh, I, I, when you said it first, I I, I was like, wait, do you mean undertale? Are we talking about? No, we're not talking about undertale. We're talking about under hero. So Andy, why don't you tell us why did you choose this one?
2: All right. So, well, part of the reason why I chose this one is actually the same reason that you, uh, you know your reaction right there (laughs) this is a game that nobody has really heard of Mm -hmm. yeah and it's a game that kind of just struck this uh tone with me that i instantly fell in love with it and i became really passionate about it but part of the problem about being passionate about an indie game is there's (laughs) no one to talk to about it
0: yeah yeah that's uh, why I made it, Woody play Return of the Oberdin a little while ago. Yeah. So yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that game that game sort of had a bigger breakthrough. Like yeah, that uh, one... Under Hero here is still kind of I there's definitely tiers of like indie gaming where there's like the sort of big well known ones like your Shovel Knights yeah. and your Enter the Gungeons mm-hmm. um and the, your Celeste. Yeah. Um and then there's just thousands of thousands of games on Steam that you're just digging through and you're like No one has ever heard of this game, how many people have played it. I feel like this one is definitely a step up from just that level because like
0: yeah it's not I, I feel like the really bottom tier like steam games are generally mean-spirited or super <laughs> like uh poorly made or something like that and this is neither of it's those just things.
1: it's hard to get that breakthrough you know yeah. it's 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 like uh games being baris- baristas in la waiting for their big break yeah um, yeah and, you know i want to say before we get too t- started here um this the big break for this game may come very soon um this episode is well-timed, because I think this game, probably by the time this episode is out, is out on Switch. Mm-hmm. It just came out on Switch, and um, it's also on PS4 and Xbox One, I believe. It is. And so it just recently got its console release this month. And, and this...
0: the Switch is a really great platform for these type of games mm-hmm. to really take off. So uh, that's that's actually where I played like Celeste for the first time. Mm-hmm. That's where I played Overdin for the first time. So... It's definitely well-suited for that platform. So we'll see. Hopefully we'll uh, we'll spur a little revolution on this. But I will say this is, I think this is far and away the most obscure game we've ever talked about on this show. Oh, like, no way. Like, I think so, honestly. Like, I think there are, I think the N64 games are better known than this. <laughs> like, and I don't mean that as a knock. I just mean this is a game that I, it was not on my radar at all. And uh, there really isn't much to research. It doesn't have any reviews on Metacritic. I found no reviews or sales figures. And uh, there was Do, only I mean, a,
1: our reviews like on forums of just like, oh, inform- yeah.
0: let's, let's um
1: pause here real quick. Yeah. I want to know, Andy, like when did, how did you encounter this game? What is the backstory for how
2: you came across it? Cause it's, yeah. So uh, I subscribe to a YouTube channel called the hidden chest, and this is a small YouTuber with about a hundred, uh, hundred, I, I don't, I don't know, but he puts out about one video maybe once a month or every other month. And he talks about hidden gems you know hidden indie games and he did a 15-minute segment on this and one of the things one of the ways to like kind of get me to play anything or watch anything is when you introduce it with I can't talk about this without spoiling mm. large chunks of it
0: all oh, right so
2: please just give it a shot this is you know this worked really well uh, I went to go see Cabin in the Woods because somebody told me that
0: oh yeah yeah uh,
2: same thing with uh, the uh, similarly named Undertale. Yes. Yeah. I was just told like, just play it blind, just do it. And that always hits a chord with me. I'm, I'm always uh, way happier to do that. And I saw this, you know, about World 1 in this game. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah, the video was just kind of great. It was lighthearted, but mm-hmm. keep, he kept saying, and it gets crazier. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I had to see it. myself. So I went out and grabbed it on Steam and gave it a shot. And uh, the game ultimately really struck a chord with me. I I really enjoyed it. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you like Undertale, you will like where this game goes.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's definitely a lot of that same kind of spirit. Have you have you beaten the game already?
2: Yeah, yeah. I I beat it back in November. I haven't been able to shut up about it, though.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, I think yeah. So I guess we should warn that there might be some mild spoilers about this game. I, I, feel uh, I haven't like, gotten that far.
2: But. Yeah, I feel like at
1: the point we are, I don't think there's sort of too deep of spoilers unless Andy wants to to spoil no, no, the no, actual I, exciting I, right. parts because we'll probably I go about five five minutes of spoilers. That seem like they might be spoilers, but they're just right. they're just the
0: five it's, first it's five minutes the first of the five game. minutes of the game. Yeah, it's kind of the central concept of the game is a bit of a twist. Yeah,
1: so let's let's go there let's, now. Let's dive in. Yeah, um, so it's
0: so it the full treatment. Under Hero was released September nineteenth in two thousand eighteen. It was published and developed by Paper Castle Games, and it's available on Steam for Mac, Windows, and Linux, and it's also on the PS4, Xbox One, and now the Switch. Uh, so uh, Paper Castle Games, yeah.
2: Uh, I wanted to chime in about their indieGoGo for this game, yeah.
0: oh is that how they uh, is that how they
2: funded it? Uh, no, they tried to fund it. They ended up only getting three hundred dollars. right. I saw oh, their wow.
1: indieGogo page when I was trying to research it, and I'm like, what happened here? <laughs> Ooh.
0: So it's yeah, still, it still got made even but even after uh, losing all the funding
2: right, right. right. They got you know, they pretty much got zero funding. and this was uh Cindy Gogo. I, I don't know when it was, but. Yeah, they only got three hundred dollars out of ten thousand dollars they wanted. They somehow still managed to make it, uh, and and that's kind of it's one of those things where like you know we always hear about the kickstarters and yeah whatever uh, that go out and make millions of dollars, and we get that classic game. But this is a situation where somebody tried put their heart out there, failed, and they were still able to pull something together. Right. It's
0: it's scrappy. There is a scrappiness to this game and that it, I appreciate. I, yeah, I don't uh, think
1: that the people who sort of are working in this game had sort of other big credits that they could point to that are like, I worked on this game and now I'm moving on to this next big project. And that's yeah. kind of what you need to find that clout to get money on a Kickstarter. Right.
2: Right. And another and, uh, another thing just to point out to anyone who's kind of looking at this game, who's thinking about playing this game, the level design increases exponentially as you go on. Ah, okay. okay. Uh, you know, it does start out with some very, World 1 is very, fir- you know, first-timers, platformer, and it gets exponentially better the further you go on. So I, I just want to get right. that out of the way here. You know, uh, whatever you guys yeah. saw, it gets so much better and well-crafted.
0: Okay. I, I've made it up to the uh, the Haunted Mansion level so far. <laughs> we'll get to that in yeah. a second. But uh, Paper Castle Games, uh, this is their first and so far only game. Uh, the company is very small. It's only four people. Uh, that's two developers, an artist, and a composer. And uh, they were founded in Venezuela, but now they're located in Spain. And I couldn't find anything about what their next project is or anything like that, but I'm going to be paying attention because I feel like this is a pretty strong first project, mm-hmm. especially considering the, the budgetary uh, limitations they ran into.
1: And the, f- I mean, the fact that this game is coming out for consoles does, even though, you know, we harped on how obscure this game is, the mm. fact that it is coming out for consoles mean that they must have at least made their money back in the, you know, the releasing of PC because now they have enough to, like, and enough interest to fund those console ports which is not cheap
0: no no for sure Um, so the story a little bit I think this is where this game really shines and I'm going to read Paper castles description of the game from their own website Um, under hero is a 2d side-scroller RPG adventure game with timing based (laughs) combat it tells an intriguing and mysterious story full of silly characters brimming with personality quirky dialogue and lots of weird humor inspired by paper Mario games and RPGs in general it tells the story of a world where the chosen hero has failed, and an underling of the main villain takes his place as the new hero. Join Elizabeth IV and the little masked kid in a journey across the Chestnut Kingdom to once again defeat the evil Mr. Stitches. Meet friends, foes, and other weird characters in the mysterious world of Underhero. And then there's an ellipsis, and it says, wait, once again? So, uh, there's, there's some kind of twist they're building into that. Um... So I think the the big narrative hook with this game, and I think I really didn't, and I did. I, I went into this cold, and I didn't know what was going to happen in these first couple of minutes. So uh, if you're if you're looking to not get spoiled about the central concept of the game, you this game
1: does have a this game does have a free demo. It does so have a
0: free, so free demo. Yeah, and this is revealed in the demo. Yeah.
2: Uh, so uh, so you, quick, you, if you yeah, want to talk about this without spoiling people, if you like Earthbound or Paper Mario, this is the
0: game for you. Yeah, 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 very very much uh, Paper Mario vibes in this, and I think it's, it's intentional, and to its benefit, because I love Paper Mario. So it
1: starts with this, like, tagline over a black screen that says, like, Heroes have rescued the villains over or have rescued the maidens over and over. This is one such story. Yeah. And then it lights come up, it says like final castle, and you you're this guy with a cape and mm-hmm. a sword, and you have like nine hundred and ninety-nine HP, and you're running down and you're getting ready to fight that final boss. It's kinda like the beginning of Symphony of the Night, where it starts at the end that. of the last game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it sort of pans over to these three masked minions, um, not not the yellow minions Mm-mm. from the titular movie, but kind of of the same spirit if they were kind of 8-bit, cute Undertale-style designs. Yeah. Um, and they're all discussing how when that... They refer to the hero as a monster. When that guy comes, he's just going to slice them up so he can use them to pick up potions. Right. And two of those minions go and stand forward to just get assuming, like, ripped up by the hero. Yeah. Um, and then it pans back over to the hero, and you run towards those minions, and then a chandelier falls on you and the two minions and
0: crushes you. There's, yeah. like,
1: a little pool of blood under there the is. It's a little gruesome. down the stones.
0: I was not expecting this to happen at all, and I kind of laughed out loud when this happened, because then you pan over... To the little minion who's working the controls of the chandelier. He <laughs> dropped the chandelier. And he dropped it by mistake. He didn't oh, mean to okay. be he didn't mean to release it at that time because he killed his little buddies too. Uh and he's kind of you get the sense he's kind of in over his head. And now the perspective of the game shifts to this little guy. Did you um, know, Andy, that the
2: um
1: had had that been spoiled for you in the video that you saw?
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the, okay.
1: uh,
2: the premise was pretty much told to me, uh, just that imagine you're a Goomba who yeah, gets to okay. kill mario
0: Ooh, yeah you yeah after this and i think that's like the strongest thing about this game is just kind of that central hook i think that's a really clever idea and i love anything where you're exploring like the inner workings of like a fantasy world you know the the day-to-day minutiae of like what henchmen do and
1: that's very that is very comparable to under heat undertale i feel like The fact that this game is called Underhero is both a disservice and fairly reasonable because it immediately just makes you think of that other game and it's a confusing name for that reason. Right. However, I do feel like the tone does match Undertale because that game, a lot of that game was sort of built around generating empathy. Yeah. for like these monsters that in most RPGs you would just sort of slice down but it's like oh they're just living a life regular and don't want to be sort of disturbed
0: yeah they and have a cafeteria yeah. like there's there's people that are talking about unionizing because <laughs> exactly. of unfair wages like they're they're just kind of normal, like going about living their lives. Their their lives just happen to be working for an evil monster warlord named Mister Stitches, uh, who I found to be a genuinely creepy character design. Actually, Mostly yeah. How, because, how would you like, describe him? He's he's kind of like a like a patchwork ghoul with like a zipper mouth. He's kind of like that Oogie Boogie from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, right? A little right? bit, but like leaner, and mm-hmm. like he likes to hide. He, like he, when you first go to see him in his throne room. He's not sitting in his throne. He's lurking behind it, like in the shadows. Yeah, which is a
1: cool effect. For a second, I thought that the the chair itself was going to be the evil villain. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I
0: thought the twist was going to be that the chair starts talking, yeah. like like Pee Wee's or Pee Wee's uh, Playhouse.
1: And then it's funny because once you you after you've crushed the hero, you reclaim his sword. His sword starts talking to you. Yeah, it's the sword hilt, and it gives you these three gems that you find on the hero. Yeah, and, and this,
0: the the sword's name or the the hilt's name is Elizabeth the Fourth. Uh, just for context.
2: (laughs)
1: Important facts. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so then you go talk to your boss, Stitches. He takes the gems from you and then with no explanation just releases the princess who's in a cage.
0: That was so weird. That was also kind of made me laugh. Yeah, he's just Um, like, oh, I I guess I've never, I don't need her anymore. Yeah, go
1: ahead. (laughs) And now he's appointing you to go return these gems that you got back from the hero to their sort of dungeon, where we're assuming that the hero stole, got them sort of on his quest to you.
0: I imagine it is like picking up uh, uh, gems or Triforce pieces in Zelda or something like, and he got all the, the hero got all the pieces and he made it to the final castle. And now you're just being charged with this thankless task of like bringing it back and putting it back in the sacred temples where they were taken and going through all the booby traps again, just to give them back. And that's very clever. Uh, and then your character is a little conflicted because Elizabeth is kind of trying to convince you to complete the hero's quest and turn on your boss, but then you're also kind of working for Mister Stitches yeah, and going the, through and doing his bidding.
1: The protagonist of this game is uh, I don't I don't think talks. Is that right? Is that right, Andy? Right.
0: He uh, like, he or she or it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> will they just call it masked kid i
1: think they even actually make a yeah they make a joke about that of the elizabeth refer tries to refer to the gender and it's just like oh, i'll just call you masked kid yeah yeah which I, kinda, I like that yeah yeah, yeah yeah
2: it's it's an adorable mm-hmm. little like pantomiming and uh people do a lot of talking for you which is is great uh and it does yeah. highlight one of the strengths of this game which is the writing mm-hmm.
0: oh
1: yeah yeah and yeah i think that the people sort of talking for you and guiding the story that kind of reminds me of Bioshock, actually, is sort of what that reminded me of because your motivations are sort of unclear um, because the sword is like you need to betray your master and do this. But your actions are still you're putting the gems back. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of unclear why you're being guided and who's guiding you. And I'm assuming that that will sort of become more clear as the game goes on. Yeah. Um, but we did not get that far. Is that is that fair, Andy? Would you say that? that's the direction the story goes
2: yes uh there is a lot of story that you don't have that you know steve you probably started picking up on little bookshelves where you are yeah 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 there's uh it's one of those things that i love that it's it's not quite dark souls where the story is kind of you know unspoken and just kind of part of the background it's more stories there you just have to want to look to uh read the extra text. it's like game games where you find like journals from dead soldiers
1: and things like that
0: yeah or, or there's little uh conversation options that are like locked you have to go through the uh you've got like kind of a fortress where you hang out and that's where you have like an apartment and everything and it has the mm-hmm. cafeteria and a theater and all that and you can walk around kind of talking to different characters there and then you'll learn a little bit about the world through that
2: now make sure you talk uh, to everyone twice every time you go back
0: oh yeah yeah okay all right Uh, so they've got something different to say every time yeah yeah the the characters in this uh fortress all
2: kind of progress through their own storylines um frankie's dad so frankie is the only other person who knows that the hero was killed Uh, okay you you know the the snake minion who was with you oh right right and stitches just immediately kills her yeah. And you can find another snake minion later on who's like, hey, have you seen my daughter Frankie? I'm so uh, proud of her. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> oh that's horrible.
2: <laughs> that's kind of sad. Yeah. So let's,
1: let's talk about the sort of gameplay here because this game is simultaneously super unique because it sort of does different things. Uh, but it's also very derivative in the sense that, like every sort of aspect of this game is kind of pulled from another game. Yeah. But it's jammed all together in a way that no other game has really done.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, so you, you definitely yeah, like we said, they're they're very upfront about the Paper Mario influence. It's, and it's a
1: totally two D game. Yeah. Like the unlike Paper Mario, where you could move up and down in the plane. Right. Um. It, it, and it's a platformer, like
0: that's the and, thing. It's much heavier on the jumping and running than Paper Mario ever was. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I mean, like literally, there's a lot of stages of like elevators moving back and forth, and you jump from one to the other. If you press jump twice, you can uh, put out your cape and sort of slow your fall. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it's um,
2: his hood,
0: not his cape.
2: Oh, oh he, <laughs> he's, he's wearing a little hoodie.
0: Like that's a, oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. it's adorable. I mean he he kind of the character design reminded me of Hollow Knight. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, I think I think that is something and I feel like that's an intentional reference but also I mean that might be one quibble is that they made him look a little too similar to Hollow Knight to so much so that you might confuse it for Hollow Knight. So that is something I think um it works against it. And like you said with the title too like the the cynical part of me wonders if they did it as, like, kind of an SEO grab. Like, mm-hmm. people can't quite remember the name of the title. It's kind of like what uh, Asylum Pictures does with their mockbusters. You know, <laughs> you put a movie called Transmorphers on the uh, shelf next to Transformers, and someone's grandma will be confused by the wrong one. Um, but I don't think that's the case. They say on their website that it's just a coincidence, like – they're using it as a portmanteau of like Underling and Hero. Yeah. And I just can't help thinking like Underling would have been a much better title for this, actually. Just in general, a little more distinctive. And um, I don't know. That's just me.
1: So, yeah, you're, the basic gameplay is obviously you're just running around um, on a 2D plane, but it's still like it, it's odd to play an RPG that takes place totally on a 2D plane. Yeah. Um, and it sort of results in a lot of. It felt like a lot of backtracking because you'll have to run all the way to the edge of a screen um, and then they'll send you back to the other one. Um, but where this game really sort of gets creative and cool is when you encounter an enemy. Yeah. Um, you want to do you want to explain this mechanic, Andy, for us? Just because yeah, It's yeah. really got a lot going
2: on. So like when you encounter an enemy, first of all, you have to remember that these are your coworkers. Yeah. yeah. These people trust you. Well, you have an opportunity, one, to talk to them, and every single enemy you run into has something different to say. Yeah, and it's worth
1: noting that the enemies in this game, like, are unique, like they're in set areas. Yeah, they don't respawn. They don't. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. And and when you uh so you you then have a choice. You can either bribe them or you can give them a sucker punch and start the combat sequence. Once you've started <laughs> the combat sequence, you cannot stop. You know, you can't run away. I think you can, you can bribe them in the middle of combat. Right, though. right. If, but like, if you hit them, it does cost you a little bit more.
0: Okay. But there's no way to, like, talk, just, like, talk them out of attacking you or anything like that? Can you just convince them with words, or yep. is it just an opportunity to peacefully bribe them?
2: Right, right. <laughs> you you The only way out of it, it is either killing them or bribing them. Okay.
1: And I think there's some situations where you can avoid fights completely just by sort of... F- jumping past the other guy or swimming past him.
0: Well, sometimes, yeah. I, I find that, like, uh, there's a pretty high, like, hit detection thing. Um, so, like, even if you're jumping over it, it'll stop you and make you fight. But there are some times when you can sneak around. Right. I will
2: say, uh, it is theoretically possible. There have been some talk on the uh, the Steam community forums about this. If a pacifist run, you know, a run where you don't kill anybody, mm-hmm. it mm. is apparently theoretically possible. There are a few battles that you have to do do the fighting and you you just have to but excluding those for the most part you don't necessarily have to kill any of these people it does give you more experience you do get experience if you bribe them that's another thing you get a little bit of experience but you get so much more for killing them
1: and so the yeah the actual combat mechanics here are they remind me a lot of not not even necessarily the paper mario series but the mario and luigi games yeah yeah. um just because the Paper Mario games were so based around just timing one button press whereas the Mario and Luigi games sort of gave you a bunch uh, or a couple different buttons that you could do and you could do those moves at any time. Mm-hmm. And the combat here isn't actually turn-based. Like your guys you're you're always able to attack, your opponent is always able to attack. Um and But each time you do, you lose some stamina. So if you swipe with your sword too often, you're going to just be trying to catch your breath, and your enemy can just sort of attack you without you being able to dodge. Right. right? Um, whereas most of the time, kind of like, again, I'm just going to keep naming off games that it reminds me <laughs> of, because I do feel like that's sort of the way this game was designed. Like, yeah. We like this mechanic in that game. So kind of like Punch-Out, for example, like there's a little snake man who will sort of push out his tongue a couple times, and then you know he's going to launch at your head, and so you duck down. Yeah. Or if he sort of blinks a couple times, you know he's going to launch at your body, and you have to jump over the attack. Um, and so it's just a combination of knowing, of timing your defense and making the right amount of attacks um, so you don't get tired. So, do you have anything else to add to the combat there, Andy? Right. There mm-hmm. is also
2: a rhythm element where if you time it to hit them, on the beats of the music uh, it does a little bit more damage so is that an active at all times we weren't sure if that was only during rush mode yeah, or it, just it is part of the game. Uh, it is active at all times it just rush mode is when it becomes easier because they actually quiet the music and then make the uh, the beat a little louder
0: i oh, was going to say I like him. i i had a hard time identifying the beat yeah. the music is very kind of low key and subdued and I think they probably needed like a stronger like rhythm section if that kind of rhythm based mechanic was really going to be well implemented. Uh, so I struggled a little bit with that element. but I did find the combat to be really fun. Um, and, and it takes April some Murray, thought.
2: it's it's kind of hard
0: it is yes, yeah. yeah, it can be. They, it takes a while to beat any of these guys. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you have you have a basic sword attack, you have a ranged attack, which you kind of uh, aim on a little reticle uh, by holding down the W button and then aiming it. Uh, you have a more powerful hammer attack, and then you have a jump, which is just used to dodge at the moment. I don't know if you can upgrade it later. I'll find out. <laughs> but uh, you can uh, use that to dodge, and then you can use potions, and you can bribe at any time. And like you said, uh, if you charge up your little attack meter to a certain point, you get to activate rush mode. And that's just everything kind of freezes. You get unlimited stamina, and you can just get as many hits in as you can. And this mode is very, very overpowered. (laughs) Uh, I found uh, when I, I was facing the first boss, and these boss battles are pretty long if you're playing it straight. Like if you're just doing like a regular one, it's like wait to recharge, hit, wait to recharge, hit. And then the boss has a long, long life bar. But when I activated the rush mode and then just kind of jammed on the button, I pretty much killed her in, like, two hits. <laughs> so it's a very, very powerful method to use. So I, I recommend it uh, if you want to use rush mode.
1: Yeah. One thing I did like about the interface a lot is um, there's sort of no menu. Every one of your attacks is modified to either a keystroke or if you're using a controller, one of the buttons. Um, right from the, So you don't need to actually go in and select your potions. Like, they're always just mapped to, like, the left uh on your control pad yeah. or down to duck um, and then like B is always your big hammer and so it was nice I, I feel like part of my one thing I didn't really like about this game is it does feel pretty slow in a lot of mechanics like there's even though the combat takes place in real time there's a lot of sort of elements of just like a bat flying around waiting for you to attack it mm-hmm. or you sort of waiting it for it to attack you and that just feels like it takes too long but I did appreciate that there's sort of no menu to have to go into and, like, select an option repeatedly.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. It's got... It's kind of a combination of, like, real time and active time. Like, the you know, like the uh, Final Fantasy VII active time meter is kind of the closest thing I can think of. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I mean, that came around in, like, Final Fantasy II. Oh,
0: yeah. I, well, I, yeah. Who's played Final Fantasy II? Come well, on. That's true. Actually, yeah. not very many people.
1: That's yeah. probably the one that the least people have played.
0: All I know about that one is that's one where you have to attack yourself in order to yes. level up. Like, yeah. that's all I know about it. <gasps> um, I really like some of the character designs in this. They're, like... That You kind of get to meet them gradually over the course of the game. And I I think the game looks really nice. It's got a very nice color palette. And I wish uh, it used that a little bit more because a lot of the levels cast you in darkness. Um, And eventually you get a little companion that's going to help you out with that. Uh, But... um, it, it does get a little uh, difficult to find your way around the level sometimes ah. until that point.
1: What what do you think of the graphics of this game, Andy? I, I, I have a sort of conflicting opinion on, from Steve's, but I'm
2: curious your take. Well, I I really like them. It, it's a, a 16-bit kind of high-resolution game. I feel like yeah. this is another one of the things where, you know, if their uh, Indiegogo had actually taken off, yes, this could have been polished up a lot more, especially early on the... You know the standard forest area is very, very like we used assets from. Yes, from, that's you, exactly what I was gonna say. You know, uh, free assets from wherever we could get them, uh, and that's just one of those things. It's it's a shame. Uh, I wish, I wish that it didn't feel that way. It, it sometimes feels like a a really elaborate fan game or a, a flat yes. game. Yes.
1: And I, I, I agree with you. I think that there's really times where this game's lack of budget shows, and I think that that graphic goes those graphics go a long way because they don't really look bad to mm. me. They just look very bland. There's not really much detail in the backgrounds when you're wandering around. The, you know you're wandering inside a tree, um, inside a mansion, and there's just a lot of repeating backgrounds for the rooms that seem too long. Um, and i just find i find that unfortunate i feel like for these sort of old retro style games they really shine in terms of like getting all these little touches and details in the background yeah um and it is a shame that this doesn't quite have it i think i've just been spoiled by the messenger which mm. is just so beautiful looking of a game yeah um so it makes it hard to go back and i do feel like kind of the music has a similar problem to the graphics of it feels competent, but also kind of just seems like the thing you get on your MIDI keyboard like the default like eight-bit dungeon music and you're like, okay, we'll put that in the game yeah yeah
0: and, and, I mean we uh, we a, a couple of months ago we appeared on Vigigame Game Apocalypse talking about kickstarted games like the best games that were uh, crowdfunded or things like that. and all of those games we were talking about were, funded or overfunded and found like this huge success so it's really kind of cool to take a look at a game like this that maybe is struggling a little bit to find its footing and that uh, the the developers had to kind of pull themselves up a little bit and and find workarounds for things like that uh i i think that's really cool it's it's kind of cool to see it's it's kind of an almost ran in a way like it's still running obviously it could still like find its audience but it's like it it uh it didn't quite take off the way a lot of its peers did well we'll
1: see how Uh, it goes with the console release because i do feel like i mean this game is a game that is an homage to so many console tropes and styles of video games that it doesn't quite feel as natural on the pc no not Uh, quite
2: right this is i mean for the switch like absolutely Mm. by the way the runtime of this game is
0: about 15 hours
1: Oh wow, okay. that's longer than I thought. It's it would pretty good. Be. I mean, it's also a fifteen dollar game, so that that is pretty good.
0: Yeah, that's not bad at all. I think I got it for like eight on Steam. So yeah, it's a it's it's a good deal. A dollar an hour. I, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> I I think this game mostly made me really excited to see what Paper Castle Games does next. Like I I would love to see what this team can do with just like a little bit more money and just a couple of the rougher edges polished off because. There's a lot of really fun ideas here. The game plays very well, very seamlessly. You can just kind of pick it up and go.
1: It does And again,
2: I feel
1: like this is also sort of a constraint of budget. There is a sense that it's not programmed or optimized that well. Like, you have a decently powerful computer you were playing it on. Mm-hmm. You said that you play... It makes your computer run hotter than Disco Elysium does. Right, um, yeah, yeah. Which doesn't quite seem like what you want from a game that looks like this.
0: Yeah. Uh, But they they do find little grace notes and they find moments where uh, they can add a little personality. Andy, I don't know if you found this section in the the second level. You are – you're fighting some ghosts. You're fighting one. He's wearing a birthday party hat. I (laughs) shot his hat off with my slingshot. And then he just stops attacking me, and he just starts, like, moping. And in the meantime, another ghost floats into the stage very slowly, goes down, picks up the party hat, picks it up, and drops it back on his head. And when he does that, he's ready to fight you again. And it's not commented on or anything, but once you beat that ghost... You continue into the room, and then you see there's a table with, like, a birthday balloons and, like, a, a cake on there. So it's like, <laughs> you crashed this ghost's birthday party, and it's it's uh, it was a fun little detail where it's just like, oh, wow, you're kind of a dick again, you know? And then they do things that, like, flip the tropes on their heads. Like, uh, they send you on this fetch quest to try and find a fuse, and you go, go jump through all these hoops, and you find the fuse, and then the entire level just floods, and you can just swim to where you need to go, and you don't need the fuse anymore at all. And Elizabeth even comments. She's like, "Oh, well, that was a huge waste of time. All right, let's go." <laughs> like, that's that's clever. I think that's a really clever little touch, and uh, uh, I'm excited to see what more little nuggets they have in there. And the story is like actually compelling. Like, there's clearly something more going on here than they're they're letting on. Um, and uh, it's interesting to it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out.
2: And without spoiling anything, uh, it will punch you in the gut.
0: Will okay okay yeah, all right yeah I'm excited. Uh, I th-
2: I, I, I'm just a really really big fan of this kind of thing and an, another thing um, one of the reasons why I was insistent on on this game Steve woody is uh, like, We're the only ones here <laughs> yeah yeah I, I hope so uh, <laughs> so on on the geek 101 podcast I we, we really like to kind of or I like to try to talk about weird indie things that people haven't heard of because I think like one of the staples of being a geek is annoying everyone you know when you find something that you like
0: <laughs> yes i think that's right? the thing yeah I, I agree with that it's it's uh i think nerddom and fandom and stuff like that is all about being passionate about something and and uh being irritated that other people aren't as passionate about it as you are um right. uh, so yeah
2: john, uh comedian john hodgman actually has a great little thing where he says the difference between a uh a nerd and a hipster is that a hipster will use their knowledge of the obscure as a uh a bludgeoning tool to make mm. themselves better while a nerd wants everyone to
0: know about the obscure thing exactly yeah yeah you want to kind of spread the word about that and i think you have successfully spread the word a little bit about under hero because yeah i never would have heard of this i never would I, i'm really not on steam all that often so this isn't really a game that would have ever come up for me so uh i'm, I'm glad to have uh, gotten a chance to play a little bit yeah um, um- yeah,
2: three hundred forty-one reviews on Steam. So you know that that's not a is lot. Is That low? I don't even know. That, 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 is, <laughs> no, pretty that, is, that is pretty low. That is pretty low.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, and I mean, like like I said, there was nothing on Metacritic or anything like that. So um, I think what, it has room to build an audience.
1: What do you guys think is the um, humor style that the, the, there's sort of a? I guess these games are now all sort of descendants of Earthbound, right? Would you say mm-hmm. that Earthbound is the game that kind of invented this? Because this style, it's hard to describe, of, like, characters who are in the game world but don't seem to be taking it all that seriously or are sort of aware of the metaness of, yeah. like, where they are and sort of... Yeah, because it's, like, the characters commenting on how, right at the beginning, the hero is going to come and just kill them and get potions. Yeah, yeah. And, like, they are aware of their role here. And I feel like this isn't something that has been mined too much. It's definitely a game that, like... It's built upon your knowledge of these overused tropes in right, games. Right, And so, like, it's going to be funnier and more enjoyable, like, the more aware you are of, like, oh, this is just another fetch quest or something. Because then it can kind of turn it on its head a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. But,
1: um, and I don't feel like, I mean, I feel like Undertale sort of brought this in with, like, huge success of mainstream, like, breakthrough. But I don't know if it's been
0: fully mined at this point? No, no, uh, I don't think so. And I mean, there's, there's room to play with it. And uh, I, I think a lot of kind of twists and turns that maybe you take for granted in books and movies and stuff like that are more effective in video games because you can manipulate those tropes a little bit. The one I always think of, and this is a spoiler for a 20-year-old game, but um, and this is weirdly the second mention of this game tonight for some reason. I don't know why it's on my mind. But Knights of the Old Republic, um, the Star Wars RPG, that has like a big twist in the middle of the game that would be extremely obvious uh, in a movie or in a book, mm. uh, but because you're in a game and you're designing your own character and you're used to characters like waking up in a room without knowing what's going on, you don't see it coming. So I think there's room to play with the tropes of video games to make like to to basically find ways to surprise audiences again because I think. The three of us are probably pretty jaded about uh, story structure and, and uh, plot so it's kind of hard to surprise any of us uh, at this point so it's,
1: it is always satisfying when you play a game that does which yeah. which I think does make this game more appealing um, do you have do you have any more you want to say about
2: un, Underhero, no, no. under under hero handy <laughs> um, uh, you know I, I really I, I don't think I do I mean I think you hit it on the head it it is a slightly meta game. It it's very aware. I mean, it starts out even with just that uh, that scrolling part, right? This is a tale that happens over and over again, over and over comes. again. Yeah, um, you know, it, I, I don't have much more to say. I this game as it continues on. Uh, I I hope you guys will finish it up, but it's uh, it just struck a chord with me in a way where I want to scream, play this game, give it a try. You know, this it's it's not a ten out of ten. It's not it's not polished but it's something that's special and uh kind of unique
1: yeah, yeah and, it, and it's the kind of game where um i think you want it to be successful because like steve said it makes you want to know what these people do next and the yeah. more successful this game is the more resources they will have for their next game which yeah. hopefully takes some of the creative ideas here and polishes them up a little bit
0: yeah absolutely i'm really excited for that well, Andy, thank you so much for uh, for picking this game and for coming on the show. Uh, where can people find you and find all your stuff? And uh, find yeah.
1: us on two episodes. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes, uh, and hopefully soon for a uh, special uh, episode on the movie Doom. Oh, God,
1: oh, no. Why do you... <laughs> I like Wild Wild West and the Super Mario Brothers. I don't want to watch Doom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, sorry. We uh, Tell us where you are, Andy. <laughs> yes, you can find me on uh, the Geek 101 podcast. That's where me and my co-host Ariel talk about geek news information critique just kind of bicker about you know the robert pattinson uh, batman costume and
0: okay w- oh have we whatnot. seen the costume yet they've seen the costume they're showing a lot of a lot more of the jaw than usual so okay. some some people uh, aren't crazy about that he's like it's riding up on his cheekbones yeah, okay so, so you see a lot of yeah. his face
2: uh and you can all uh, so it's the geek 101 podcast you know wherever you download podcasts and uh you can find me on twitter at hebrews
0: pale absolutely well, that's oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for being a patron and for picking this game. Uh, if any of you folks out there want to join in on this and get in and make us talk about a game that you want us to play. Uh, just sign up at patreon.com slash ultra 64 pod that's at the superstar tier level if you stay at that for three months then uh, we will uh, we'll play whatever game uh, non-nintendo 64 game you're looking for so. and there
1: are quality lower tiers on there as well we Absolutely. just did a uh, sort of countdown review
0: of our second hundred games yeah. on ultra, <laughs> on the nintendo 64 so. and we've got a, a bonus episode uh, the, the, the fans picked coming up we've got a bunch of other stuff that's already on there you want to hear us talk about the home improvement game on super nintendo because we did. Um, so thank you everybody for listening. Thank you once again, Andy. Uh, and I'm sure, uh, that
1: was. I'm sure the Home Improvement game was going to be Andy's pick. And it was going to be. Then you stole it.
0: So. Oh, Andy, before you go, settle a bet because we were discussing this. You're not on the development team at Underhero, are you? <laughs> uh, damn it, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> we had a moment where we're just like, what is? There this There is game? somebody is on the team named Andy. Reject. So. Yeah, because we were like, wait, but it's a it's a female Andy, so you're fine. But yeah, it was. Uh,
2: Sorry, we just had to ask. Just breaking <laughs> advertising laws, trying to just stealth advertise on a podcast. Oh, no. It's that we, It would there totally
1: be fine with be us. i fine with us. Yeah, <laughs> I don't
2: care.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, thank we, you, everybody. We never claim to have journalistic integrity on Ultra 6 and <laughs> 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 All right, everybody. Have a good night. We'll see you next time.